Coffee with Colby, episode 12. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby, the show that's about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path. In the time it takes to enjoy one cup of coffee, we will cover the challenges that crop up in the workplace and how to balance your career and your personal life. This is all the stuff that you need to know they didn't bother to teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Colby Reed, and as always, this is my show. Before we dive into this week's topic, quick friendly reminders for you. If you like the content I'm sharing here and you think that it would be useful to someone else, would love if you'd pop open that iTunes account on your computer, your phone, your iPad, and quickly give us a five-star review. That's going to help raise us up when people are searching for career-focused content. Uh, it would also be awesome if you'd share the show on your social networks or shoot me a message on Twitter. I'm at Colby Reed, C-O-L-B-Y-R-E-A-D-E. Of course, I'm happy to answer questions on upcoming shows or on social media as well. And finally, uh, I'm starting to book my webinar and speaking engagements into 2019. Feels kind of crazy to say that. It seems like we just were celebrating New Year's 2018, but uh, 2019 planning is underway. Now, if you have a professional development group or a student group and you're looking for speakers to cover topics like top tips for securing your dream job or how to land your first gig after graduation, would love if you'd hit me up uh, on Twitter or message me on LinkedIn. I uh, would be happy to get something scheduled with you. Now, let's get down to business on today's topic, and today's topic is resumes. And full disclosure, I hate resumes. <laughs> Think about it. This is a document that is often the gatekeeper between getting and not getting an interview. You have to spend hours tweaking and customizing it. There's a million aesthetic choices you could make, and your future employer likely will only spend a few seconds glancing it over. And if they don't like the font you chose, it could knock you out of the running for a position for which you are absolutely perfect. A resume is kind of like the saying they have in poker. When, when you play in a poker tournament, they say you can't win a poker tournament in the first hand, but you can lose it on the first hand. So if your resume is not top notch, it can knock you out of the running, uh, but it's still not going to get you the job. As much as I hate resumes, they are this necessary evil in the job application process. Having been through the process several times myself, successful in sometimes, not successful in others, and having been on the hiring end more times than I can count, I have a lot of insight as to what makes a good resume. So today, I want to talk about the key elements for making that effective resume and what your potential future employer is going to be looking for on your resume. Uh, one minor disclaimer before we dive in. Like I said, so much of a resume is subjective in terms of the design and the layout and the writing and, and so forth. There is no definitive template for a good resume. So I'm speaking here in generalities. These are things that I have seen work consistently across numerous organizations. But I also am going to strongly encourage you to have people in your field that you trust take some time to look over your resume as well. Uh, the look and feel of a resume for a graphic designer is going to be drastically different than a candidate for an adjunct professor position. It's going to be drastically different than someone applying for an insurance adjuster job. The only people that can really speak to those fine details are people who work in your industry. So that all being said, first things first, let's talk about what actually goes on your resume. The centerpiece of your resume is going to be your work experience. And there's, there's two ways that you can approach this. Uh, this is the section that tells your future employer what you've done and what skills you can bring to the table. Most people 
format this based on chronological work experience. So they will say, for example, account manager with Acme Corporation, July 2017 to present. And then under that, they'll list five or six key bullets of, of information. Then account supervisor with brand X, June 2013 to June 2017. And under that job, they'll have a few key work experience bullets. There's another format that I've started to like, and this is actually what I did on my resume for my most recent uh, position that I secured, and that is where you focus on key skills. So instead of listing each job in chronological order, you list, for example, uh, new business acquisition, and then list key bullets of how you have contributed to that. Uh, impactful writer, and you list some key bullets behind, underneath that. And then team management, list a couple of those. And then... After that section, you'd have a separate section that is just a list of your previous employers. So that's where you would say, you know, Acme Corporation account supervisor, July 2017 to present, brand X account uh, project manager, uh, June 2013 to June 2014 or June 2017 or whatever it is. Um, both of these work. Both of these look great. This is just personal preference. Um, the important piece of this in both instances, no matter how you structure it, is that every claim you make, you have to back up with easily digestible evidence of your work. You can't make general statements like, I'm a people person or I help grow e-commerce revenue. You have to provide data that demonstrates how this is true. So, you know, whether, you know, whether you're saying I was an account supervisor for two years or I'm a strong writer, you have to follow it with these short action oriented data driven bullets that outline exactly what you did. For example, if I say implemented strategy driving 20% year over year e-commerce growth, that is going to sound so much better and stronger than led successful e-commerce campaign. Um, as Dr. Phil says, this is a time to brag on yourself. Uh, you want to distill those top accomplishments in each area down to just a few key points that you can share. Now, that's somewhat easier if you're staying in your current field. Let's say you're changing careers. This is when you have to get it bit creative because you're not going to have the exact same data points to, to transfer over. Um, say, for example, you're moving uh, from insurance adjustment uh, or insurance sales into marketing. You're not going to be able to speak to, well, I created this campaign or I created this initiative that works in marketing because that's not the field you are working in. What you have to do here is you have to think about how the raw current work skills that you have will map to the future work skills that you need. Every employer knows that they're going to have to do a certain amount of training to get any new employee up to speed. They're going to have to teach you, you know, their way of doing things, their client voice and so forth. What you have to do is show them how the raw skills that they need are already there. Um, and the best way that you can do this is meeting with people in the industry and think, having them help you think through how your current work would support your future new career. For example, in, in my experience, when I was moving from journalism to public relations, I focused on things like my writing ability, my research skills, my ability to enterprise stories as a sign of creativity, my ability to work within a team and self-directed, etc. They can teach me how to write a press release. They can teach me how to write a PR plan, but teaching me how to be a good writer or how to be super organized or how to multitask, that's something you got to know coming to the table. 
Um, in addition to your work history on your resume, the second area that you want to make sure you include uh, would be your education, of course. Um, and this is something that people talk about a lot um, in terms of age discrimination. They're worried about including your you know, graduation dates and things like that. If that's something you're worried about, you don't, I, I really don't think you need to, to include that. Um, if you, in, in, in every application I've ever looked at, I've looked at, do they have a degree and what is their degree in? Do they have an advanced degree? Do they have an MBA? Do they have a PhD? I don't care when you graduated. Uh, I want to know what your skills are and what you're bringing to the table. Now, in that same vein, when we're talking about the skills that you bring to the table, another way that you can demonstrate this throughout your resume is things like awards and honors or board service or volunteer service, things like that. That really is up to your individual industry and the role to which you are applying. I'm a big proponent of including some of that because that shows you know, how you are serving outside of your individual role. Um, it's an opportunity to show some additional background, some additional skills, but there are some fields where that doesn't matter. All they care about is what you have done on the job. They don't care about awards. They don't care about, you know, whether or not you were on the board of your local, you know, your local mission or something like that. They just want to know what you did in your last role. Um, this is a, a time where it's a good idea to consult some of your colleagues and some of your, your industry peers uh, to kind of get a feel for what's going to fit best and, and what's going to be the best piece to, to add in there. Um, the third thing, uh, and this is, this is my personal preference, but I've, a number of my colleagues have shared this as well. I'm a really big proponent of putting a statement of purpose right at the top of your resume. So right under, you've got your name and your contact info, and then right underneath that, before you get to the work experience, you got a two to three line statement that briefly summarizes who you are and what you want. So for example, when I was applying for my current role, uh, my purpose statement read something like, award-winning communications professional with more than 14 years of experience across media and agency uh, public relations roles serving nonprofit, small business, and global brands through integrated communications, seeks director-level opportunity to uplift a single brand through strategic communications. Yes, it's a mouthful, but there's two reasons why this is a great move. The first is you don't have to hope that the recruiter is going to read your whole resume if they've got a pile of resumes and they're just kind of glancing through and looking, you know, at the first third of the page, this gives them a strong sense of who you are right off the bat. The second thing that this does, and I think this is pretty cool, is it sends a subtle message right off the bat that you want this specific job. Um, one thing that, that employers run into is they get people that are just sending their resume out to anyone. They're desperate for a job. And they're just sending out, you know, anything that looks like it possibly would fit with their, with their experience trying to get, trying to get something. When you put that statement of purpose that says, I want this specific job, I'm trying to get a, a director level position in the nonprofit field. I want to help lead a team in the healthcare sector. It sends this message that I'm not just looking for anything. I want this job, I want to be on your team. And it creates a more personal connection right off the bat. So now we've got your work experience, your statement of purpose, your education. Like I said, contact info. This is a must, of course. And this needs to include, obviously, like your name, your your email, your 
phone number, but you should also include like your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter, Twitter handle, as well as any relevant websites that you manage. Say you've got a blog or a freelance page or something, making sure that all of those also are up to date, they're professional, and they mirror the same language. You don't want someone to read your resume and then click on your LinkedIn profile and see that you haven't added any experience or skills since 2014 or that you're positioning yourself completely different on your LinkedIn profile than on your 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 resume. They really should look like they're basically the same document. Uh, if you can make space on your on your resume, I'm a big proponent of a skills section as well. And this is just a block where you list nine to 15 key skills individually. So like strong writer, organized, demonstrated ability to manage competing deadlines and so forth. This is another subtle move to the recruiter because you're pulling the key skills out and putting them right in front of their face before they even read your work experience. Uh, And this can go anywhere on the page if you list key skills because their eyes are naturally going to go to that. Um, And also, if you're going to do this, this is another great move because you can go through and you should go through the job ad that you are applying for and find keywords that they're, they're looking for, you know, strong writer and so forth and plug them in here where they're applicable. So you're demonstrating right off the bat, hey, I have exactly the skills that you're looking for. Uh, When it comes to length of your resume, general rule, if you're relatively young in your career, one page is ideal. Uh, You want to include internships. You want to include relevant volunteer work as well as, you know, your recent employment history. If, for example, you've been you know, if you've been working as a, as a barista while going to school, that's something that you want to include, especially if this is your first job. Um, it's showing your work ethic. It's showing your, uh, you know, your, your customer service skills and so forth. Um, but like if you're a college graduate, I don't need to see your high school summer jobs. I don't need to see that you were babysitting when you were 13. Um, that just looks like you're kind of padding your resume. Keep it to one page. If you're more established in your career, if you've been doing this for 5, 10, 15 years, or you're you know, making a, a shift, then you know two pages is usually good. Uh, unless you're in an academic setting or a very specialized field or applying for a very specialized position or applying for like, a CEO level level role, anything above two pages, I think is overkill. Um, so now you have this beautiful resume, you have all the key pieces in it, but I'm sad to say you're not done. <laughs> the thing is you can't just write one resume. Every resume and cover letter you send out has to be customized to the specific job to which you are applying. And this is beyond just that skills box that I was talking about. Um, You shouldn't have to rewrite these documents for every job, um, but you need to be thinking about how you can customize it so that it is clear that this resume is meant for this specific job. I like to treat it kind of like a modular process. It's almost like the Ikea of, uh, of, uh, of resume writing, where I will write out all of the relevant blocks of information and blocks in quotes all the relevant blocks of information that I need to cover. And then I know that I can pull out and shuffle around the pieces accordingly. So pulling an example from my own experience, um, when I was uh, applying for my current role, there are a lot of different roles in marketing and communications. Um, I was applying for for two different opportunities, one of which uh, was leading a small team at an agency. And in that case, I knew that I had to emphasize team management, adaptability across clients, uh, skills when it came to prospecting new business, that kind of thing. Um, But when I was pulling those experiences out and highlighting those right at the top. In contrast, 
when I was applying for an opportunity as a communications director, I also, I, I put more of an emphasis on things like strategy, executive communications, internal communications, and so forth. Um, in both cases, the same basic picture gets painted of you, but you're you're, you're tailoring it to the specific needs of that specific position. Again, this is a subtle nod to the recruiter that you are so interested in this specific role that you are tailoring and customizing and focusing on exactly the skills that they're looking for. So now you've, you've got this you know, specific resume for your, with relevant expertise to this specific job. Again, I'm sorry to say you're not done because you do not, do not, do not want to simply create a single resume for each job title that you're applying for. So you don't want to have, if you're applying for like project manager, project supervisor, project lead, and you know, have those three, you need to take time in each job that you're applying for and review the job description and look at the language that they're using. Then you have to go in and tweak your word choice to match theirs. Um, there's two reasons to do this. For one, it shows the person who's reviewing the document that you really thought about how your work experience will apply to their specific needs. Um, but perhaps more importantly, some HR organizations actually use filtering software and will kick resumes out of the running if they don't match certain keywords. So for example, they could ask for you know someone who has success securing new clients, which you have, but if you write it as, I have a demonstrated history of landing new prospects, as opposed to securing new clients, your resume could get knocked out of the running. So it, it shouldn't take you that long, but it is very important to take that extra step. Um, that's just one more way you're going to ensure that your, your resume has the best opportunity to filter up to the proper decision makers. Um, and to wrap things up, your resume really is never done. Um, it will always be evolving and shifting. As I said, you need to share with colleagues, ask for their thoughts and input, bring it to your informational interviews. But as long as you have a document that clearly demonstrates your experience in the workplace and the skills you bring to the table, that's well-written, that's typo-free, that uses good grammar, you're going to be just fine. And that's it for episode 12, episode 13, coming your way before you know it. Don't forget to hit that five-star review for us on iTunes. Drop me a note over on Twitter at Colby Reed and tell your friends how much you love the show because you do love the show, right? <laughs> Until next time, I'm Colby Reed and we'll talk soon. <laughs>